Hi, Olivia. Hey, Micah. Hi, Steph. Hi, Micah. And hi, everybody. We are the League of Movable Type, the first open source font foundry. You might know us from the weekly typographic podcast and newsletter, but we're coming to you live from Type Weekend this weekend. I'm Micah. I'm joining you from New York State. I'm Olivia. I'm joining you from Brooklyn, New York. And I'm Steph, and I'm joining you from Melbourne, Australia. And we are here to share a few of our favorite talks that we love. Can you believe it's the last day? This is the last day of Type Weekend. What a ride. What a ride indeed. I'm sad it's ending. Are you? Yeah, yeah. This is this is gone by too fast, guys. I feel like it's summer camp. Like we were, we were just excited just the other day. Things are starting now. It's coming to a close, but we still have good memories to keep us going forever. I have certainly learned a lot. And luckily, you can still watch them. You can go back and watch the videos as well and relive. You can have a tight weekend every weekend now if you want. To. Oh my gosh, I like that idea. Thank you, Steph. All right. So who's going first? Favorites of today. You, Steph. I. Nah, Michael, you've got to go first today. Oh. Oh, yes. All right. I'm up. I got to highlight my one most favorite of today. I don't know how many other people will love it as much as I did. It was called Testing Fonts on the Web with Type Tuner, which I had no idea what that was. Luckily, she explains. And this one, so this one's super nerdy. The developer, who is a front-end developer, her name is Mew, is talking through the process of building a Chrome extension in a week at a hackathon to be able to test variable fonts on any site just by dropping them in. Uh, She acknowledges that other tools like this exist and references them and says these are great, but there is a lack of variable font support and she just wanted to do it. So she gave it a go, which I thought was fun. That was cool. A lot of the talk is how Chrome extensions work and how you program them, which is kind of neat. It's like semi-technical. It's very understandable. She's not like going into code and saying, this is how this function works, but she is explaining like how the pieces talk to each other and that kind of thing. And it's more complicated than you think to, be, to do this sort of activity. But she threw together like a really nice tool that programmatically comes up with basically all of the code that you need to change Wikipedia to another font, which she was working on a font. And I think that's where kind of this inspiration comes from. And she wanted to see it in real use. And that's such a perfect use case for you're making this font and you want to see what it looks like on a web page that you're already used to. You just drop it in and it works. And so I thought that was very creative. In that process too, she came up with a little web application to help come up with spacing strings for her proofing as she was making her own font. It's super nerdy. If you're interested in front end development at all, like it's not, it's not too nerdy. It's, it's the perfect amount of nerdy. And I just love seeing the combo of web and code and type all together. I just thought that was very fantastic. In your happy place on that one, Michael. Yeah, it was good. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys Mm -hmm. let me watch that one. Steph, what were your favorites? Today, today, actually, so Micah had a couple of his favorites for the whole thing yesterday. I think today, Sunday, might have been my my day with a couple of my favorites. So first of all, I loved the talk by Amy Fang, which was the good, the bad, and the ugly, pushing illegibility in type trends. And I just thought this was such an interesting way. And, and my probably slight bias, because I really love the kind of the trends and the the what's behind them and what's happening with them and why they're there, why they are here and all of those kinds of things. I love that kind of part of typography and design. 
so I was I was in my happy place with this one, like Micah was with the one he was just talking about. And they, again, it was challenging this idea that graphic design education teaches us that Swiss rational, legible design and, and typography is best, which is fine in some ways, but it's not the only way. It's certainly not the rule and it's certainly not objective. And but and, and there is a place sometimes that meaning can be secondary to form. So what if the meaning is beneath the surface? Does it need to be read to be understood? And I just thought that was such a great question. And again, and, and she does say right at the end that this isn't a whole pass on sloppy design in terms of just having stuff that just can't be legible where it needs to be legible in like a report or you know, something like that. But actually meaning is subjective and it can be interpreted in different ways. So why don't we push that a little bit more? And we're seeing that certainly a lot more with the kind of, you know, it's known, I suppose, a little bit more as the, the kind of Gen Z or Gen Z, depending on which side of the world you're on, uh, aesthetic and thinking about this kind of what some people would call quite ugly or quite harsh and you know, slightly aggressive or experimental. And she was arguing that just because something is experimental doesn't mean it's meaningless and doesn't mean it's only driven by ego or only driven by creative, you know, wanting to put something out there that's different or difficult. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, it can be jarring. And she talks about how expression and communication can be used as image, as identity, as protest and as, as being. And she focuses a little bit more as using typography as image and as protest, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow. So that was definitely my favorite, but I do want to give a little shout out to Reframing the Indian Vernacular Typography by Shantanu Suman, because that was probably the most beautiful talk I've seen in terms of the presentation. I've not watched all of them, so there may be other ones that I've missed, but in terms of the 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 images and the design of the, the talk was stunning and again, really challenges this the, even the idea of vernacular is problematic and it's got strong colonial ties and which flows through education today, both in India and obviously in other countries as well. So uh, with a lot of local languages and dialects and styles dismissed. And then in terms of the most interesting talk, I think I've seen in terms of the most different and just seeing another example of what people are doing with typography is uh, the one I hinted to yesterday, which was Type and Sound by Vivek Taka, who create, has created soundscapes to go with some typography that he designed. So it's a fusion of music and typography and the overlap of the evocative nature that both of them can bring. So super interesting. Loads of great stuff today. Wow, that's cool. Very fun. Very like different talks in there too. I love the love all the different ones so far between you and Micah as well because mm. can't exclude his knack for the digital. <laughs> all right. I'm going to continue the very diverse group of talks today on Sunday. There are there were some really great ones. And yeah, Sunday just rocked because I agree. Yeah. I have some of my favorites in here too. Starting with justification of Arabic text. What's next? And that's by Kamal Mansur. Wow, this is really fascinating. It made me think about typesetting in a totally different way. As a designer who loves just getting in the weeds, loves going like letter by letter, word by word, very detail oriented. This just really hit the spot for me. And, it, and I learned something totally new. During Kamal's talk, he actually talks about how fully justified Arabic text is set differently than fully justified Latin text, which I had no idea about. So when Arabic text gets fully justified, text setters actually will use wider characters or swash characters 
or characters called Kushidas to fill negative space in a line of text. So instead of allowing your text to just have spaces between words, like how we're used to in Latin text, Arabic text will fill in those spaces to make sure that the color, the typographic color of the text is even and is harmonious and beautiful. And oh my gosh, I, I can't read Arabic script, but I was just, I loved looking at the forums. I was mesmerized. And it also talked about different ways we could think about typesetting in general. The whole idea of us using wider characters or swash characters that are justified text certainly was something that type designer, typographer Urbu Ballin did back in like the 70s and 80s. And it really doesn't get talked about that much these days. But Kamal also talks about how our technology can actually assist with this type of justification. Just like we have stylistic styles for alternate characters, we could do justification styles that are actually built into our font. In general, this whole talk reminded me of Arabic type specialist Nadine Shaheen. She says a lot of the time she learns a lot about Latin type design through Arabic type design. So I think that this also offered an opportunity to rethink our type systems by looking at the Arabic type systems. I love that. Mm. Then there was The Wonders of Hebrew Type by Shawnee Avni. Very interesting, very unique perspective. She walks through the process of restoring some wood type. And she also touches on the history of Hebrew type in general, which I had no idea about, but I was certainly interested. I'm half Jewish, so this somewhat harkens back to my own heritage. But she talks about the challenging development of Hebrew type in history because Jewish people were often suffering persecution. So a lot of Jewish people weren't able to stay put and set up presses. They were often having to flee and relocate their printing presses. So therefore, actually the development of Hebrew type is much more slowed down than the development of you know our Latin type, which I never would have found out about. And I, I love that you get this glimpse into history that's, Glenn, not talked about in our classic you know design discourse, design history canon. So that was great. And then lastly, ending with a great talk by Joanna Malinis, engaging the Filipino type community. Again, so great. Joanna talks about the process of creating a Filipino type community. She looked around at all of these Instagram sites and blogs that were highlighting people in the type community in general, but she was actually having a hard time finding other Filipino type lovers and type designers and uh, typographers and letterers. So she created a platform herself and it's great. It's totally connected the Filipino diaspora. So it connects Filipinos from all over the world to share their work and celebrate each other. And I just think that was just a really cool initiative. Hearing you talk about the Arabic type one, that sounds great. I'm going to go back and watch that one. But also it just makes me realize, especially having watched the Japanese one a couple of days ago, like how much other writing systems are just way more sensible <laughs> than, <laughs> than Latin. Like kanji, like everything's the same size and or, or a half size for punctuation, which again makes complete sense and then mm -hmm. the Arabic justification where you can add the swashes in like this is just way better <laughs> <laughs> I felt Throwing that way about ridiculous. watching how syllabics work too <clears throat> just like this slight yeah. shift and suddenly it, it means these different things and also you had mentioned kanji was unawith unihite and mm. a lot of those dialects were also unihite and I'm just like I don't that's oh, interesting. that's I, that just make it easier it's crazy mm-hmm mm Mm -hmm. What are we doing? What <laughs> yeah. are we doing? In any case, what an amazing roundup. What an amazing weekend. So much education, so many new perspectives, so much mm -hmm. to learn still. Uh, so, many, it's a, so many new people to follow as well. Mm, great point. Great yeah. point. It's definitely worth browsing through the Type Weekend 
catalog on their website. And I think every speaker links to some way to watch what they're doing, a website, Instagram, Twitter, something. So for all the people that you were impressed by and loved, give them a good follow. Hey, we, we would also love a good follow for the league. Why not? <laughs> and in the meantime, we are certainly going to be following Type Weekend because this is the second iteration and it is even more impressive than the first time. And I think it's worth giving a nice little shout out to say thank you to the team who put this mm -hmm. on, who collected everything, did all of this work to make this magic happen, and invited us to blabber about our favorite stuff. And I have to say with this, it's been such a fantastic weekend. And not just that, but I think the blind submission process that Type Weekend do in terms of their talks and their submissions is just you just see the impact of that in the diversity, the the scale of different insights, perspectives and stuff as well. So I think for anyone else doing conferences, anyone else doing education, like really do consider how you are getting you filling your speaker spots and filling your your insights channel and pipeline, because this is such a great example of bringing more diverse typographers designers experts into into the into the world very well put my friend thank you guys also for being such amazing troopers and being here with me so thank you yep. to everybody thanks for listening in do 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 <laughs> <laughs>